The Guardian. Cocktails are a staple of summertime, but here's one you probably don't know unless you're a hay fever sufferer. Cetirizine, fluticasone and sodium chromoglycate. Struggling to make it a couple of minutes without a sneeze and after a year of not having done, well, anything at all, I found that most conversations with my friends have often come back to our allergies being more intense this year than most. This year they have been the worst they've been for me on record. Uh, I developed sinusitis in the last few days. Aside from that, all the other normal symptoms have been exacerbated dramatically. Like one day I'll have like a really puffy face, feel really sneezy and just like general hay fever. And then the next day it'll have been replaced by a cold that I have not been able to breathe or see properly for months. I've tried local honey, I have tried every antihistamine going and nothing seems to have helped. This year, hay fever has utterly defeated me. And I learnt the hard way that using a face mask in an attempt to block pollen while walking down the street is not effective, which is not ideal if you're then planning to sit on a bus for 30 minutes. So this week I wanted to explore the ins and outs of hay fever and other allergies and ask why it might be that recent times have been so hard for people like me, but also why it might just be a matter of time for those of you not currently affected by a condition that can single-handedly ruin a summer. I'm Shivani Darve and this is Science Weekly from The Guardian. To help me work out just what is going on and why the pollen situation has felt so aggressive this year is Tom Ogren, horticulturist, author of Allergy-Free Gardening and the creator of the Ogren plant Allergy Scale, which is just a measure of a plant's potential to cause an allergic reaction in a person. Thanks so much for chatting to me, Tom. First off, what actually is hay fever? Well, hay fever is just another name for inhalant allergies, uh, generally kicked off by pollen in the air. It makes you sneeze, makes your nose run, uh, makes your eyes red sometimes. Uh, A lot of different people have different responses. Some people get headaches, some people uh, get tired, uh, some people get irritable. And hay fever might give people the idea that it's all coming from hay or from grasses, but uh, hay fever can be triggered by any any type of pollen. So how do you get it? Why are some people allergic to pollen and others not? The allergies develop over a period of time. And what happens if uh, all pollen is potentially allergenic, although some types are much more allergenic than others. And year after year, you get exposed to a a large dose, uh, what I would say overexposed. Eventually, your body will uh, start reacting to it. And and it always happens with repeated exposure over a period of time. And because of that, the plants that we have right in our own yards, where we live or where we work or where we go to school, those are the ones that we get exposed to the most. And those are most likely the ones that will kick off our allergies. So most allergies uh, are homegrown. It's coming from things we probably planted right in our own yard or the neighbors right next to us or something. It feels like every year people say this is the worst they've ever had it. Is there anything in that? Well, there's a couple things going on. Um, One, there's a very big role with climate change. And uh, so all the plant zones of hardiness have changed uh, in many countries, certainly in the United States, where uh, the blooming pollen season is sometimes two, three, four, five, six weeks longer now than it used to be. Um, 
And so there's more pollen in the air. Uh, then it combines with, uh, there's more carbon dioxide in the air and carbon dioxide acts as a hormone to plant growth. And what carbon dioxide does is it encourages flowering. And so the more carbon dioxide, the more flowering, and then the more pollen production. And then we have another thing. There's more and more traffic from uh, automobiles and trucks and so on uh, in the air. And the pollen reacts with the uh, pollutants from the traffic. And this causes the pollen to become much more allergenic. And a lot of times it causes the pollen to uh, break or fracture, sometimes into hundreds or thousands of little tiny particles. Uh, and these little particles can be inhaled deeper into the lung. Anecdotally, I've lived in both the countryside and in cities, and I've found my symptoms are worse when I'm in the city, London namely, which might seem counterintuitive because surely there are way more plants and trees in the countryside. The increase in allergies has all been an urban phenomena. It, you don't see this out in the countryside, uh, wherever you are. Um, it's almost always in cities. And so it's this combination of global warming, more carbon dioxide, uh, huge amounts of traffic and uh, air pollution, and then a preponderance of male plants. And you put that all together and you've got a situation for uh, explosive allergies. Now I was talking about all these male trees. When we plant a female tree, that improves the air around it because that tree does not produce any pollen ever and it will always trap pollen. But uh, typical landscapes, uh, female trees are very rare. Well, why is that? Why are there so many more male trees in cities as opposed to female ones? In horticulture, they discovered uh, years ago that if plants were separate sexed, or what we call dioecious, if you only propagated from the male plants uh, with cuttings or grafting or whatever, you would grow plants, usually trees or shrubs, that would not produce any fruits or seeds. And that's because only female plants produce fruit or seeds. And so we have lots and lots of plants throughout the world now in cities. The ones that are planted are male, and they never do the opposite where they go out of their way to plant females. In fact, they go out of their way not to ever plant the females. And so we get way more male plants in the city than we do females. Now, out in the countryside, you'll have a balance. It'll be about 50-50 with the separate sex plants, and half will be male, half will be female. And these separate sex plants, the males produce huge amounts of pollen, not like a, a typical plant that has both sexes on it. So why would urban planners, I presume, have wanted to plant male trees or the pollinating trees over the ones that seem to absorb the pollen? Okay, for example, uh, you take a, a nice common tree like a mulberry tree, which is grown everywhere in the world. In some places like Islamabad, they've got millions of, of mulberry trees, but they only planted males. They did that because they didn't want the mulberries to fall on the sidewalk and stain the sidewalk. In Berkeley, California, there's a two mile long street called Mulberry Street. And I've walked that street and it's lined with mulberry trees and not a single mulberry on any of them uh, because they're all male. So allergy therapy works by avoidance. For example, if I ate an apple and my mouth felt weird, I'd avoid eating apples. But that seems a bit too simplistic when it comes to pollen, which is all around us. That's worth talking about for a second because a huge amount of attention has been paid to food allergies in the last few years. Um, and with good reason, because certain people have eaten things and then suddenly died. And 
in almost all of those cases, the food allergy is related to the pollen allergy. And so if you take a tree like a birch tree, which produces a lot of pollen, and then you become allergic to the birch pollen, there are proteins in the birch pollen that are of the similar shape to proteins in different foods. And so once you get a birch pollen allergy, you can get a, a, a food allergy or what they call a food intolerance to, oh, to melons, strawberries, kiwis, apples, 20 uh, some different uh, foods at least. And so if we don't get a control of the pollen levels in our cities, then we will not get uh, control of food allergies. And if we keep letting the pollen levels in the cities get higher and worse, then the food allergies will also get worse. So it seems like the easy fix here is to plant more female trees. Are there any situations where that's been attempted? London plane trees, uh, they have both sexes, but the sexes are separated. And they have overplanted these by the millions. And uh, even though their pollen is only moderately allergenic, they planted so many of them uh, that it's it causes a problem. Um, it's like everything that we do has some sort of a reaction. And every time we plant a new bush or a tree, we are actually either improving or making worse uh, the immediate area around that particular plant. Uh, with allergies, uh, proximity is pretty much everything. Uh, they always claimed in the past that, oh, pollen uh, blows through the air at high altitudes and travels thousands of miles. And, and sometimes it does. But in fact, um, I've done pollen dispersal tests for many years, and other people have too. In all cases, the most pollen is found closest to the source. So if that source is right in your front yard, uh, you and your family will, uh, will get the most of it. Let me see if I'm getting this right. From a allergy point of view, planting female trees to counter the number of pollinating male trees doesn't do much unless they're actually in close proximity. Yes, that, that's probably true. When we plant a female tree, we're, it's not less allergenic, it's not allergenic. It not only produces no pollen, but it produces uh, something that will trap pollen and remove it. So when you combine the vast numbers of male trees with rising CO2 levels causing plants to bloom more, meaning more pollen, is there anything that can actually be done now to try and alleviate some of the hay fever symptoms? We can't just sit back and say, well, once we've combated uh, climate change and that's been taken care of, and, and I sure hope we do, uh, that the allergies will be better because that's a long way down the road. But right now, what we can do... Uh, I'll sometimes do an allergy assessment of a yard for people, and I will go through the yard with them, and I will point out each plant and explain its potential. Uh, some will be basically neutral. Uh, some will be uh, very positive and good, and other ones will be extremely allergenic. And I will recommend uh, getting rid of the most allergenic ones and replacing them with uh, allergy-free ones. And what we do is we make that immediate environment, uh, we make it much cleaner air. We make it so it's not as allergenic. And uh, basically what we try to do is cocoon people uh, in their own yards. One of the biggest things we need to do is to establish a balance again in the urban forests of the world to where we have a balance between the males and the females. Uh, whenever you have too many uh, males in any type of situation, you get a problem. Uh, and it's particularly true here with allergies. 
Thank you for your time, Tom. I'm going to have to go top up my eye drops. But before I do, I wanted to let you know about a very cool audiovisual project The Guardian was involved with recently. It's called Auditorial and it's an innovative experiment from The Guardian, Google and RNIB. It was created to showcase the possibilities of accessible stories for blind and low vision audiences. On the platform, an audio-led piece called The Silent Spring explores the devastating effects of our climate crisis on the sounds of the natural world. The story centres around Bernie Krause, who was originally featured in our own Science Weekly and Today in Focus podcasts in 2018. If you want to have a look or listen, head over to g.co slash auditorial. We'll also include a link to it on the podcast webpage. And we'll be back on Tuesday, so see you then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com forward slash podcasts.